Welcome to MCS Pentecost, Pentecostal podcasts about theology and life in the Spirit, featuring both scholars and practitioners. MCS Pentecosts are produced by Masters College and Seminary in Ontario, Canada. I'm Peter Newman, Assistant Academic Dean of Masters Pentecostal Bible College. This is Van Johnson. How do we hear from God? What means does he use to teach and guide us? Christian theology identifies four interrelated resources the Spirit uses to teach believers about God and how we should live. In part one, I discuss the resources of scripture and community. Here in part two, Dr. Peter Newman speaks about the others, experience and reason. This talk was recorded live before an audience of young adults at Agent Court Pentecostal Church, Sunday night, September 15, 2013. Peter, don't let us down now because I've established some momentum here. Okay? Peter Newman, here we go. Put this on. Here. Um, okay, so there's four resources that we're talking about. Uh, ways that the Spirit speaks to us. Maybe it'd be helpful to just draw this a little bit to see how this might work out. So we'll put Scripture at the top. And then Van has talked already about community. And I'm going to draw a two-way arrow between those. And then the other two uh, that we're going to talk about is experience and reason. Now, that reason is at the bottom isn't intended to mean uh, that it's the least of these. It's simply that we want to put scripture at the top, but there's an interaction between all of these in the way that we understand God. And, and uh, he's taking my stuff. Right? Well, I didn't need them, but if you feel like you need them, Peter, I you. Yeah, well, I'm a lot younger than you, and I have to. Uh, brain isn't No, no, not as familiar. Do your best. Just do your best. Don't worry. Uh, so what we're looking here at here is ways that the Spirit speaks to us as Christians. And uh, we talked about Scripture, talked about the way we do that within community. Uh, I want to talk, first of all, about our experience, that God by the Holy Spirit can speak to us in and through our experience. There's a couple of uh, things that we mean by experience. We mean our life experience and then also experiences with God. So let me just say a, a couple things about life experience. Um, it seems that the way that God has created us is that we learn by our experience in life. And maybe some of you are in fields with, uh, in a f- field where you study uh, young kids growing up. Uh, and anyone here working in that field? So you, you, the kids from very early on start learning by the experience. In fact, babies, uh, months old, will start recognizing things like if you drop something, it falls. When things don't fall, when there's nothing under them, they find that very peculiar. They will stare at it and stare at it. They can't talk to us and tell us, but that's the way they know that something's wrong here. Well, how, how do they know that? They're not born with that knowledge. It's something they actually pick up and learn. And then and toddlers, as they grow a little bit older, they learn that some things are hard. That's why they're running all over the place all the time, bumping into things, and they're learning, oh, that, that hurts. Okay, this is a hard object, soft object, hot 
cold, all those types of things. So that, that's part of the way that God has made us. Our life experience begins to shape us very early on. As we get older, we begin piecing those things together with our minds and making more complex uh, connections between things. Um, we learn things about the world and maybe perhaps even about God and about how to interact with one another. And so those experiences all come into play there. It almost begins to move into this idea of reason, but I'm going to hold off on that for just a second. All right, so that's life experience. There's also experiences with God. And Van was talking about uh, the Pentecostal tradition in which we are in. And experience with God is a really important aspect of our spirituality in this tradition, in this tribe, as Van says. Uh, what it means is that God is not simply an idea that we talk about, but God is a divine person that we experience. And there's all sorts of examples in the Bible about this. Did you read any scripture verses, by the way? No? I'm going to do that again. Okay. Yeah. I just find that really ironic. You talked about, but anyway, talked about scripture, but... Uh, okay, examples in scripture where experiences changed people's lives. Saul on the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9. Jesus appears, changes his life dramatically. Um, ben referred to the spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14. It's just an example of this where it talks about different operations of the spirit, word of prophecy, word of wisdom, uh, healings, miracles, all sorts of things. These are experiences that can dramatically change our lives. But it's not just in the Bible. These things happen today. So just a couple of quick examples. And um, a friend of mine, Jeff, went to Bible college with him. And he was actually in youth group here when I was here back in the 80s. Um, and I remember him saying something at a Bible college class about how difficult it was for him to believe in God. And then the teacher asked him, well, what changed your mind? He said, well, I had an experience. And then he never explained what that was and just went on. And I never took the time to ask him about it. I get, what, it what I'm guessing is, and I knew his family and hung around with him quite a bit, but uh, he's just raised in an environment where um, God just wasn't important. And he thought, well, it wasn't something that I should believe in. And, and I think some people had invited him to church, to youth group, where through the singing, through the message, whatever the case is, God had somehow impacted his heart and his life. And where he just then said, well, I know now. There is a God. It's not really tangible. You can't quite put your finger on it. Well, was it, was it you know, did you study something? It wasn't quite that for him. It was like, I'd listened to these arguments or heard certain things at home, but then I had an experience with God that changed my life. For me personally, I remember being at a youth retreat, age 16, and the speaker said, all right, I, I, at the end of the service, you're going to have an altar call up at one of these uh, camps, Circle Square. And said, I think there's about eight people here who really need to uh, make a commitment, a recommitment to God. I can't remember the wording exactly, but I knew I was one of those. And so I went up and I prayed, and it was, it was just a powerful, it's very difficult to describe, just a powerful sense of God's presence where, I mean, I was crying, I, I just felt so close to God at that moment to the point where my sister was there. I even apologized to her for things that I'd done and she didn't, I didn't, it's not like we were beating each other up or anything, but you know, the, you know those things that go on in a home. And, and um, from that moment on in the retreat, it was almost like Van, what you said a few minutes ago, I didn't want that sense of God's presence to leave. So I certainly wasn't interested in, in any type of overt sin at that moment. It just wasn't of interest to me. But I almost, you know, think about this for a 16-year-old. I almost didn't want to, like, do goofy stuff at the retreat. There's not, nothing wrong with that. It's just that I felt 
If I do that, would it jeopardize this sense of God's presence? So those, that was very powerful for me and, uh, and changed my life. And you probably here in this room might have different spiritual experiences. Let's call it that, spiritual experiences where God has touched you perhaps in a way that has been transformative for you. So experience of God provides us with another resource for knowing. It's not cerebral. It's not simply our mind. Rather, it's because human beings are not simply cerebral. We're not simply minds. We're more than that. And what Pentecostalism has brought back to the church is a recognition that, yes, certainly affirming scripture, affirming community, but also human beings are not simply rational beings. We're going to talk about that rational part of us in just a moment. But we're not simply that. And I think that's important. Experience isn't everything, but it's important. But let me also say this. Uh, experience is important, but it's not everything. And I had to learn my lesson about that a couple years after that youth retreat. I was very involved in the youth group, getting up early in the morning to pray. And one day I'm praying in my basement before school. And in my mind, I began having a series of questions and doubts. <coughs> but how do you really know there's a God? And how do you know the Bible's true? And maybe your parents are just very sincere in having raised you in this way, but how do you really know? And so I thought, this must be the devil. I pushed that to the side, and that worked for about a week. And then it came back again and again. I went through a period of about two years in my life where that was what was going through my mind over and over. Now, part of it is probably to do with my personality. Part of that is just that that tends to be some of what happens as you get into your later teens and into young adulthood. Your brain's just developing differently. It's part of physically who we are. But for me, it was very, very traumatic in that I didn't know how to deal with that. There was nothing in my, in my spiritual upbringing that prepared me for that at all. And uh, maybe some of you find yourself in that place as well. Some of you lots of times, some of you maybe just from time to time, we're all different in that way. Um, what I realized there is that I'd neglected the mind that God had given me and not really bothered with that whole element. I mean, this experience and feeling God's presence was very important, but this whole mind element uh, and some of those things I had neglected. In fact, what I'd done is that I, I had ignored loving God with my mind. So let's move on to reason, this last one. Um, Jesus says in Mark 1230, I'm actually going to read a verse here, Van. Sure, Is that okay? All right. He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. You ever think of loving somebody with your mind? Is that what you say to someone on that date who you really care about? You know what? I love you with my mind. Uh, no, with your heart, right? We think, with my heart. I feel this way about you. And Jesus doesn't discount those things, but he says, love God with all your mind. He says, using our mind is a really important part of being a Christian. It's one of the capacities that God has given us that he wants us to use to honor him. And so reason is, is this part of the way that God has uh, allowed us to think about things, put together our experiences, put together what we see in scripture, what we've learned together, and we can reason together as well. But it's something that animals, like my dog, doesn't have the reasoning capacity that a human being has. He doesn't have it in the same type of way. 
he figures out basic things. There's a rabbit, and then he's just instinct. I'm going to chase it, that type of thing. But a, a dog doesn't think in advance, what am I going to do today? Here's my plan. You know, I'll sleep for a bit. I'll think about this or that. And then it doesn't do that. Human beings do that. Human beings can plan. They can think abstractly. We can think about ourselves thinking. And this is part of what God wants us to use to honor him. There's parts of the Bible that uh, talk about this. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I, I just want us to write down maybe th these verses. Maybe I'll write it down for us. Proverbs chapter 8. So you can take a look at it maybe at another time. Uh, Proverbs 8, especially verses 22 to 31. And maybe, let me just read this quickly. I think it's profound. This proverb is talking about how God has created the world. And it says that when he did so, he integrated wisdom and reason into the very fabric of creation. Now, usually the book of Proverbs, we think it's little short sentences with, you know, giving us wisdom for life. But this is explaining why those little statements give us wisdom for life. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works. It's like as if there were a person named Wisdom who could say this. Okay, it's not really a person. It's just it's a way of writing. It's a metaphor here. But the Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was appointed from eternity from the beginning before the world began. When there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding in water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the earth or its fields or any of the dust of the world, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the mountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so that the waters would not overstep his command, when he marked out the foundation of the earth, then I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in the whole world and delighting in mankind. So when you have time, take a look at the, all of Proverbs chapter 8. Read it because it talks about how important wisdom is and what these verses we've just read tell us is from the very foundation, God put something into this world this wisdom, he made the world to make sense to us and gave human beings the ability to make sense of the world. Now, we assume this all the time, that the world makes sense. Why should we assume that? You don't have to be a Christian to think the world makes sense. That when I go wake up tomorrow that gravity is still going to function or that I can understand things or that what I'm thinking about sort of makes sense or is true. Uh, you can be an atheist or agnostic and, and believe that. The world makes sense. The question is, why would we think it makes sense? And why would we think that human beings can actually make sense of the world? A Christian has an answer for that that I think an atheist does not have. Because God made it to be that way. God has basically given us what some theologians will call a book of nature, right? We have scripture, which is God's word in one very important sense. But then we also have this other book the world that we can explore and think about. So using our minds for God is an important dimension of our spirituality. That doesn't mean we can figure out everything with our minds. If we start emphasizing any one of these ways or resources to the exclusion of the other, we're going to get off track. If we think with human reason we're going to figure out everything about my life and what God wants by ourselves, you get off track. No, we need God to speak through scripture. But if we think I can just go alone in my room and I'm going to read scripture and figure it out all for myself without these other things going on, we're going to miss something really important. It's all these ways that the spirit works. See, but seeing reason as a way the spirit speaks to us and teaches us really opens doors for us. It means that no matter where you are in life, where God has called you, 
you can be used as a resource to bless the world. Like ministering in this world doesn't mean teaching at a Bible college, pastoring, those are important things. But wherever God has called you, you can be a blessing to this world. See, being a Christian doesn't mean shutting off our minds. Rather, it means this is a way to love God so I can honor God and, in fact, worship Him in whatever field He has called me to. What do I mean by fields? The sciences, uh, biology, chemistry, medicine, physics, uh, psychology, sociology, business, the arts, the fine arts, finance, industry, being skillful in the trades technology, IT, education, whatever it is, right? So I probably missed some things there. I didn't mean to. I'm just saying, wherever God has called you in life, what he wants you to do is take what you learn in those areas and let it interact with these. Scripture always has the, prefer- the privileged voice in the conversation. But, you know, if you're in a field that maybe pastors don't understand a lot about, boy, can you ever contribute to the church by bringing in that reason and experience into conversation here. It means we need every single one of you in the Christian community and helping in that area. So I really want this to be an encouragement for us. Um, I think we're about done with time here. What we wanted to do is leave a couple of minutes for any question and answer to clarify here or just, uh, I guess, a question that we could think about. Let me just leave you with a couple of questions. Which of these resources do you uh, tend to use most of all when you think about learning about God or hearing from God? And which one of them do you use the least? That's every once in a while good to just wonder, you know, which one of these do I just gravitate toward right away? Which one have I neglected? Because what we want to do here is encourage you, the one that we neglect, maybe I need to pay a little bit more attention. And, uh, but we need all of these things together. So just something for us to think about. Okay, any um, questions for Van or myself? Sorry, folks, we didn't leave you a lot of time for this. No. Okay, I can read that verse of scripture I said I was going to read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. So when Paul is uh, writing to the Romans in Romans 12, we find a passage where he thinks he's talking to a whole group of people, a whole audience of people. And we may sometimes think about this will of God passage individually, but just hear it now, the way Paul thought it would be heard, that this was something he thought those Christians in the Roman house churches would do together. (coughs) Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, yourselves, all of you together, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul thought that was something, the renewal of your mind, that would happen as you did all of these things, but all of these things together. Now listen to this last part of 12.2 then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. God thought that somehow, together, as we observed all these ways, that we would know what God wants. Lord, may it be so for your grace and your glory. Well, great, folks. Great to spend a little bit of time with you. Bless you. Bless you. Okay, I think we've got to uh, go downstairs in a minute. Chris, anything you need to uh, say to us? Uh,
Let's uh, show appreciation to uh, the doctors oh. here. Oh, wait a sec, wait a sec. Oh, sec. Okay, go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Thank you, thank you. The hundreds of you are here today. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Okay. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of MCS Pentecast, podcast produced by Master's College and Seminary. MCS Pentecasts are available online at mcs.edu and also through iTunes Podcasts. Master's College and Seminary offers biblical, theological, and practical courses from a Pentecostal perspective at both undergrad and graduate levels. For more information on graduate courses offered through the seminary in Toronto, Canada, visit mpseminary.com. For undergrad courses at Master's College in Peterborough, please visit mcs.edu.